Welcome to Victory with Paul Doherty, pastor of Victory in Tulsa, Oklahoma. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you at any of our services. Saturday night at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 8.30, 9, and 11 a.m. If you can't visit us, you can watch live on the Victory app, downloadable on the App Store and Google Play. Pastor Paul has a great message for you today, and I believe this message is going to make an impact in your life. If you have a Bible, go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. I want to talk to you today about the breath of revival. The breath of revival. Acts chapter 1, verse 14. And these disciples, they had gathered together. They were meeting together. This was after Jesus had risen from the grave. Jesus had uh, given them some instruction saying, wait here in Jerusalem. Wait in this city. Meet together. Pray together. And get ready because the Holy Spirit is about to come. And the church is about to spread like wildfire. There's going to be this message of God's love and hope, the gospel. So they're, they're, they're together, and it says they were meeting together, constantly united in prayer. Everybody say prayer. prayer. So we've been talking about revival, and what does it take for revival to happen? Really, why do we need revival? What is revival? Revival is an awakening. Revival is a revitalization. Revival is a, a rallying back. It's a comeback. It is when something looks dead or dry, it's to get your breath back, to get your energy back, to get your vitality back. Revival is not just a spiritual thing. There's, there's been revivals that have happened in countries and cities where it looked like their economy was going down and people said that was a revival that happened in their economy. There's been uh, situations even here in the U.S., in Detroit, in Michigan, in areas of Detroit where buildings had been abandoned and, and the parts of the city that were completely looked dead because of what had happened there economically, that young people and, and other people started going there and planting flowers and gardens in these old rundown buildings and then starting coffee shops and starting companies and they called it the revival in downtown Detroit. But what God wants to do in the church right now is God wants to breathe a revival that's going to bring the lost back to Jesus, that's going to bring healing to those that are sick, that's going to bring salvation to those that are far from God. God wants the church to awaken for such a time as this. God wants to bring revival to your marriage. God wants to bring revival to your family, what looks dead or dry or hopeless or discouraging. God wants to bring revival to your bank account. God wants to bring revival in your business. God wants to bring revival in your dreams. You know, another uh, definition for revival is improvement for things to get better. So for us to say, well, we don't really need revival, we're saying we don't really need improvement. How many of you guys want revival in your life? How many of you guys want things to get better, to get stronger? That's what we're praying for, that's what we're believing for, but the question is, how do we get it? How do we get revival? How do we set ourselves up for revival to happen spiritually? I believe if we will have a spiritual revival, it will affect all the natural things that need to be revived in our life. If you can get your life back spiritually, your joy to read the word, to pray, your excitement to do what God's asked you to do, to obey God's word, I believe all the natural things that you need revival in will happen as a result of a spiritual revival in your life. So we've been talking about repentance and unity, and today I want to talk about prayer. Prayer is the breath of revival. Two people believe it. <laughs> Prayer is the breath of revival. Turn to the person next to you and say, how's your breath? Some of y'all just caught a glimpse of what their breath was like. 
This morning, my son Liam, he woke up extra early. He's been doing this lately. He crawled in my bed, and he got right up in my face at about 6 a.m., and he goes, Daddy, just breathing his hot, nasty breath in my face. And I breathed right back in his face. I go, Liam. <laughs> we both just turned the other way right after we breathed in each other's faces. But last week, God dropped this word in my heart because I believe what happened in the book of Acts is as they were praying and stirring up their prayers, what happened next was revival. The Holy Spirit shows up in Acts chapter 2 as a result of their united time of prayer together, and tongues of fire appear on their head. They start praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit, and next thing that happens is 3,000 people get saved. People start getting healed. The church starts to grow. They start sending out missionaries and pastors, and more and more people start joining the movement. Now, there were religious people during that time, and there's always some religious people during every time of history. And the religious people, they didn't like this movement of these disciples praying together and talking about Jesus. And they said, this thing's going to end. This thing's going to fade out. It's going to die. This won't last. In fact, it was the religious people that took Jesus to the cross because Jesus was radical. Jesus was out of the box. Jesus was bringing revival to Jerusalem, and the religious people didn't like it. They shook their heads. They rolled their eyes. They didn't like this 33-year-old talking about these radical ideas. Don't crucify the 33-year-olds, okay, guys? <laughs> but Jesus came preaching a message of God's love. God so loved the world. The religious people were saying, no, you got to work to get God's love. you got to work to get God's grace. And Jesus was saying, no, you come by faith. You receive it by faith. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's no one else to the Father but me. And Jesus was crucified. He was buried. And the greatest revival happened on the third day, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. Jesus came back to life. He breathed on his disciples. And then 50 days later on Pentecost, that breath of revival, of prayer, would stir up a revitalization of the church. And I believe that God wants to bring revival in this church, in this hour, in your life. And the religious people couldn't stop it. They thought it would fade out after a few weeks, after a few months. But here we are 2,000 years later, and the church is stronger than ever. And 2 billion people confess Jesus as Lord. And people have been getting healed and saved. And we're going to do a time of healing at the end of this message. I'm going to pray for people to get healed today in this service. And I believe it will happen. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So don't change that channel. Don't get out of your seat. We're just getting started. Buckle your seatbelts. Get ready. There's turbulence coming. Come on, somebody. The breath of revival. Think about it. The breath inside of a relationship is communication. The breath inside of the person that you love, the person that you're friends with, that relationship, the only thing that keeps that relationship alive, the breath of that relationship is communication. If you cut off communication in that relationship, you cut off the relationship. You squeeze and suffocate the life of a relationship by cutting off communication. If you stop talking to your spouse, stop looking at each other, when there's no communication, over time, the relationship starts to die. And in the same way, our relationship with God requires communication. You say, well, how do I communicate with God? Prayer. Prayer is our communication with God. Prayer is our divine connection to heaven. When you start to pray, you get heaven's attention. Prayer connects you with the Holy Spirit. Prayer connects you to God. 
Prayer produces power in your life, confidence in your life. Prayer gives you divine direction and assignments and gives you the courage to fulfill those assignments, to obey God's word. So my question is, how's your breath? Last Sunday, I was with my mom after church, and we were talking to each other, and and she was in her car. I was right outside of her window. I was getting ready to get in my car, and we were just talking about what God was doing in the church. And I was really close to her, and after a few minutes, she goes, um, Paul, you need to start carrying some extra breath mints with you. <laughs> I was like, Mom? She's like, yeah, I'm not saying your breath stinks, but you need some extra breath mints. How many of y'all know someone that needs some extra breath mints? They're sitting right next to you. I'm just kidding. You are that person if you didn't raise your hand. I'm just kidding. Hey, loosen up, guys. Check your breath. What do I mean by that? I mean that I think as Christians, our prayer life has to mature. If it doesn't mature, then I don't think we're really growing in who God's called us to be. When we first get saved, or even unbelievers, they kind of had this thought that prayer is like this. God, if you're up there, if you're real, the man upstairs, would you do this for me? Would you do that for me? But once we start following Jesus a little bit longer, and today I'm preaching to unbelievers and believers, I recognize that. So let me just speak for a moment to the believers. Once you start following Jesus, and you've been following Jesus for years or months or days or, 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 or a long period of time, your prayer life should be maturing, right? Everybody say mature. In, in other words, it's growing, it's developing into who God's called you to be in the way that God's called us to pray. Did you know Jesus has specific directions on how to pray? The prayer that gets God's attention, the prayer that produces revival in your life. And in the church. And one of my mentors, a, a spiritual covering in my life, he came and spoke at Victory last year. His name's Chris Hodges. And he asked our church this question. He said, if every single one of your prayers was answered, would it help you or would it help other people? If all your prayers were answered, would they only help you or would they help other people too? Because I think the mark of a mature believer is not just praying for, Lord, I need a new car. Lord, I need a new house. Lord, I need a new girlfriend. Lord, I need a new boyfriend. Lord, I need you to change that person. Lord, I need you to remove that person away from me. Lord, I need you to do that for me, 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 me. Our prayers, when they start to mature, start to sound more like this. God. Use me to bring your compassion to those that are hurting. God, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Our Father, hallowed be thy name. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name, God, that you're going to lead and direct my steps. I want to bring you glory. See, we start to pray not just the kind of prayers that are affecting us, but the kind of prayers that God wants us to affect the world, to help people that are in need, praying for those that are hurting in our life. Our breath needs to get better. We've got to get some Listerine, some mouthwash. We've got to gargle God's word a little bit. And we've got to get our breath praying that pure kind of prayer that God wants us to bring revival into our city. So what kind of prayer produces revival? And I believe that what we want to see happen, by the way, the early church, this is what they were praying for. They were praying for revival. They were praying for the blind to see, for the lame to walk, for the lost to be found. They were praying for missionaries and more missionaries. They were praying for the harvest to come in of lost people being saved. They were praying for the dead to come back to life. They were praying for revival. They weren't praying away persecution. They were praying for perseverance to push through the persecution. They were praying for joy. They were praying for faith to move mountains. 
They were praying that the gospel would spread rapidly and their prayers were answered. I want to talk to you about how to pray prayers that God wants to answer. How to pray prayers that God wants to answer. I believe God, more than anything, wants to bring revival in your life, through your life, in this church, through this church, for such a time as this. If you believe that, say amen. amen. So how do we do it? Dr. Cho, the pastor of the largest church in the world, Seoul, South Korea, he said that people asked him, how did you build a church where almost a million people come every Sunday? There's 850,000 people in Dr. Cho's church every Sunday. 850,000 people show up to church. He said, they said, how did you do it? He, this was his response. I pray and I obey. I pray and I obey. The secret ingredient to revival in your life is prayer. What kind of prayer produces revival? Here's the first kind of prayer, repentant prayer. Throughout the New Testament, we see types and styles of prayer that get God's attention. Repentant prayer is a kind of prayer that draws God's heartbeat to you. Acts 3, verse 19, Peter said, repent, repent, turn from your sins, and then times of refreshing will come. If we will repent, revival will show up. That word refreshing, my friend Ron McIntosh, who oversees our Bible college, he wrote a book called The Quest for Revival. And he talks about this term right here, refreshing, that that actually means revival. That when we repent, we invite revival into our life. Jesus told this parable about these two guys that were going to church. They were going to the temple. And one guy comes in. He's a religious guy. He goes, God, I thank you. I'm not like the sinners over there, the prostitutes, the thieves, the adulterers. I thank God that I'm not like those people over there that are so bad. Lord, I'm so good. I'm so good. I'm so good. And Jesus said another guy came into the temple, into the church, and he beat his chest. And he said, God, I repent. I repent of any thought, any word, any action I've done that's sinful, that hasn't brought glory to you. And Jesus asked the question to the people around him. He said, who do you think got God's attention? The religious guy or the broken guy? The broken one. Because there's something about repentance and brokenness that grabs God's attention. There's something about humility when a religiosity type of person takes off the mask and says, man, I need some help. I need God's grace. I've had a bad attitude. I've had such a self-righteous spirit. I need the mercy of God in my life. There's something about that. David saw it in Psalm 51. He had a personal repentant prayer. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God. Purify my mind. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. David was asking for personal revival. So when we pray, let us pray not just from an attitude of I've got it all together, but let us pray with an attitude of honesty and repentance because there's something about that. We need it, guys. We need God's mercy. We need God's grace. Secondly, here's the kind of prayer to pray. Prayer with pure motives for God's will and God's glory. Prayer with pure motives for God's will and God's glory. I remember when I was at ORU and there was this girl I really liked. I had asked her out seven times and she had said no every single time. And every time she said no, she kept saying, ask me out again. I was like, what kind of games are you playing with me? <laughs> but I fell for the games, I kept asking. 
And all through that time, I was praying, Lord, make her like me. Lord, make her date me. Lord, change her heart so she will start dating me. Lord, fix her, you know, and it was all about, Lord, do this so that way I can be happy and have her as my girlfriend. <sighs> and it wasn't happening. I was like, God, what's wrong? Why aren't my prayers being answered? Have you ever been there before asking, like, why aren't my prayers being answered? And uh, I know you guys are like, this is really immature. But listen, this is, this is a principle for teenagers, young adults, grandparents, all of us. Because oftentimes we're praying our own will instead of praying God's will. So this one night on Valentine's night, I call her up. I was like, I need to meet you right now in front of Saga, the cafeteria at our, 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 our Oral Roberts University campus. So she comes down, it's kind of raining outside, perfect romantic movie scene. I'm walking out, rain's falling down, my hair's kind of in front of my face, and she meets me out in front of the cafeteria. She's like, what's going on? I go, I just need you to know that I like you. And she was like, I know you like me. I was like, well, do you think maybe there's a chance that you and I might end up dating someday? I just need to know, because I've asked you out seven times, and you've said no every single time, so just tell me, what are the chances of a guy like me and a girl like you? <laughs> She's just looking at me like, man, this guy's pathetic, he's pitiful. She goes, listen, I'm not gonna date you right now, but keep asking, because one of these days I might say yes, and my heart was broken. I remember going into our music building, Tim Co. Barton, and I sat down in a piano room and I was crying, I was emo, I was just talking to God and screaming out like the psalmist, David, why is my heart so discouraged? But all of a sudden my prayer changed. Listen, my prayer changed. My prayer changed from, Lord, my will, to start praying, Lord, your will be done. Lord, your will be done in this relationship. God, if it's not your will for me to be with this girl, Lord, let your will be done. Help me get over these feelings of heartache and, and pain. And Lord, let your will be done. Did you know in the next week, those feelings completely went away? And God started birthing in me a love for another girl, Ashley Hope. And that's a whole nother story. That was a whole nother battle. <laughs> we'll save that for another time. But what God had to do is he had to get me in line with his will. See, if you want God to answer your prayers... You need to start praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Not my kingdom come, my will be done. But thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, this is the model prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, may your will be done on earth, in my life, in my church, as it is in heaven. 1 John chapter 5 says the kind of prayers that gets God's attention is praying his will. And this is our confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to, everybody say his will. His will. He hears us. If we will start praying the will of God, what is the will of God? The will of God is revival in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The will of God is revival in the United States of America. The will of God is revival in your house, in your apartment, on your campus, in your home, in your relationships. So if you want God to answer your prayers, start praying the will of God. When you pray the will of God, there is no wrong motives. James says in chapter 4, Verse three, when you ask, when you pray, you don't get what you want because your motives are all wrong. 
The reason why your prayers aren't being answered is because your motives are impure. You want only what's going to give you pleasure. Isn't that so clear right there? James just spells it out. He says the reason why you're so mad that your prayers haven't been answered is because you're praying with the wrong motives. It's all about you. It's your agenda. But when we take our agenda out of it, we say, Lord, let your will be done. Your timing, your way, your purpose, Lord, your person, whatever the situation is. Everybody just say, Lord, your will be done. All right, here's the third one right here. Faith-filled prophetic prayer. We were not invited into a life of fear. We were invited into a life of faith. So we don't pray from a standpoint of defeat. We pray from a standpoint of victory. We're not praying as if Jesus is still buried in the grave. We're praying as knowing that he's been risen from the grave, that he's alive forevermore. So we pray with faith. And we pray with a prophetic voice. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, when you pray in tongues, when you speak in that, that, that unknown language, you build yourself up, you talk to God, but you don't help anybody else. And it's not a bad thing. He said, I want people to pray in tongues. But he said, even more than I want people to pray in tongues, I want people to prophesy. Because he said, prophecy builds everyone up. God wants this to be a prophetic church. God wants you to be a part of that prophetic movement that he's bringing. You say, well, what does prophetic mean? Prophetic means that you're declaring the purposes and plans of God in your life, in your house, in your future. So this last week, I was walking through a situation that I was really discouraged. Like an attack was happening on my heart and my mind on, on Wednesday of this last week. And I think sometimes we think, well, when we're Christians, we're, we're immune from attacks. And that's so false. Because when you give your life to Jesus, you become a target to the enemy. And you say, well, maybe pastors, they're immune from attacks. No, pastors, they become even a bigger target. Because the, the, the devil knows, man, if I can take out the shepherd, I can go after the sheep. But not in this house. Not in this house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So I need your prayers, church. I need your prayers. Because I do often feel like I am a target of the enemy. Because I'm one of the youngest pastors in the nation. And Satan doesn't like it when young people get on fire for Jesus and start leading their churches towards revival. So I felt this attack on Wednesday. I was so discouraged. Felt like I was failing. And man, I was, I was so discouraged. I picked up my phone. I was like, who can I call? Who can I call? I thought about calling my wife in that moment just to talk to her. I was here at the church. And I thought calling about calling some of my mentors, some of my spiritual covering. And I heard God say, there's not a contact on your contact list that can fix what's in your heart. God said, you need to talk to me. You need to get the breath of your soul. See, what, here's what prayer is. Prayer is the breath of our souls. Don't hold your breath. Don't hold your breath. Just breathe. Breathe again. Breathe again. So I was sitting in, in my office, and I was about to call some people, and God said, put it down. Pray. Pray. So I just started praying. I just started praying over my heart, praying over our church, praying over my life. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name that the joy of the Lord is my strength. God, I thank you that I'm getting my confidence back. 
getting my strength back. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Perfect love cast out all fear. So I've not been given a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Laughter is coming back inside of me. God, your plans and your purposes are great for my life, great for this church. Our best days are truly in front of us. God, I see greater things on the horizon. Where I am right now is not where I'll always be. Lord, you're propelling me into to greater destiny, greater power, greater potential. And I just started praying over myself. And as I started praying, it, it was weak at first, but it got stronger and stronger. I started getting my joy back. I started getting my laughter back. I started crying a little bit. My tears started turning into joy. And all of a sudden, I had my confidence back. So I looked the devil in the eyes. He wasn't there, but I just I pretended like he was in front of me. I said, Satan, you don't win today. You don't win today. Satan, get out of my life, get out of my heart, get out of my mind, get out of my church, get out of my house. See, this is what prayer does. When you start praying, you start getting your power back. Prayer is the connection to God's power. Prayer is it, it, it's connecting with heaven. It's, it's bringing heaven down to earth. It's bringing God's kingdom down into your life, bringing God's will down into your life. Some of us, we are not breathing. We're suffocating. The enemy is not afraid of, 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 of you just existing. In Ezekiel 37, God brought Ezekiel into the valley of dry bones. He said, what do you see? He said, I see a valley of dry, dead bones. There's nothing here but dead, dry bones. And God said, that represents the nation of Israel. And God said, Ezekiel, can these dead, dry bones live again? Ezekiel said, you're the only one who knows, God. And God said, prophesy to the bones. Prophesy to the bones. I want to speak to you right now. Prophesy over your future. Prophesy over this church. Prophesy over your marriage. Prophesy over your future marriage. Prophesy over your children. Prophesy over your future children. Prophesy over your body. Healing is coming. Cancer is leaving. Prophesy in Jesus' name. Migraines gotta go. Headaches gotta go. I have the mind of Christ. I put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. Shame, you gotta go discouragement you got to go. I put on the belt of truth. I'm trusting in God's word. My shoes are shod with the gospel of peace. I lift up the shield of faith, which blocks every fiery dart from the enemy. The sword of the spirit is the word of God. I am offensive against the enemy. I'm not waiting for an attack to fight back. I am fighting. I am advancing the kingdom of light. I am driving out darkness. So Ezekiel starts prophesying to these bones. He says, bones come together. Muscles come together. Sinews come together. And so the the bones come together. Everything is there except for the breath. I want you to get this. Satan is okay with structure, but he hates it when you get the breath of God inside of you. Breath in Hebrew is ruach. The Hebrew word for breath is ruach. It's the same word for the Holy Spirit. So when we breathe, there's something connected to our breath that's also connected to God's Holy Spirit. When God hovered over the world, before the world began, he said, let there be. When he let those first three words out of his mouth, let there be, the Holy Spirit was the breath of God creating life where there was no life, bringing seed time and harvest before there was no seed time and harvest. There is creative power in the breath of God. There's creative power in your breath, in your prayer. 
It's meant to be prophetic. The bones were together, but there was no breath because where there's no breath, there's no movement. There's churches in America that have all the structure. They have perfect programs. Their services are 59 minutes. Get in, get out. Don't let the Holy Spirit move. Don't pray for healing. Don't empower the church to do anything revivalistic. We don't want anything revivalistic. Satan's not afraid of that. Let the churches play in the marketplace while there's supernatural warfare going on over their heads. And they're missing out on the revival God wants to bring. We need structure. I'm not saying there's no place for structure. I'm all about structure because I believe the Holy Spirit moves in order. But structure without the breath of God produces no power. So when he prophesied the breath, the breath came in and all of a sudden the army just rose up. And God said, this is the vast army of Israel. Too big to count. I'm breathing revival back on this nation. I'm breathing revitalization back into you. Don't miss this. God wants us to prophesy faith-filled prayers in our life. When you pray, I want you to pray prophetically the will of God. Pray revival into this church. We're going to pray into revival. We're going to pray into revival. Did you know this church was prayed into existence? Before the structure was here, before the lights were here, before the stage was built, it was just a prayer. And it was a prayer amongst a group of people. Grand Grand was here. They were praying. This morning, my nana, my mom's mom, passed away. And uh, her name was Ella B. Swift. She moved to Tulsa just a few years ago and got to spend her last few years with my mom and her son, David, who's my mom's brother here in the church. And yesterday, I got to go see her. She had the tubes connected to her nose and mouth and she was laying there, and it was such a peaceful transition. Just She fell asleep, and she went right into heaven this morning. And that's what we prayed for, because her body was ready for that. 91 years old, and she had been ready for that, that transition. But, you know, I think about how she was a praying grandmother. She prayed my mom into God's calling on her life. She prayed over my dad. My dad went to their church, grand-grand and, and her husband, their three boys, they went to this Methodist church where my mom's parents were the pastors. See, we have the power in our prayers to pray the next generation into revival, to pray the next generation into the destiny God's called them. During worship, my grandma leaned over to me and she was praying future things over this church. She was just prophesying. She said, I see this happening. I see that happening. I see great things happening. What is that? That's prophetic, faith-filled prayer. All right, I'm almost done. You guys tracking with me? United prayer. United prayer. Acts chapter 1, verse 14. They were united together. There's power in unity. Matthew 18, verse 19 says, Any two of you that touch and agree on, on earth, you can bring the power of heaven into your life. See, one can put 1,000 to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. God wants couples praying together. There's power in a united prayer in marriages. There's power when a family gets together and they link arms. This is my brother, this is my grand-grand here, this is my brother John. See, we could fight each other or we could fight together in prayer. One can put a thousand to flight, two could AJ get over here. Two could put ten thousand to flight, but three can put a hundred thousand to flight. Come on, somebody. There's power when we pray together. United prayer. I'm giving you types of prayers that set up revival in your life. Does anybody still want revival? 
United prayer requires forgiveness, requires you walking in love, walking in forbearance with each other. In other words, being patient with people's mistakes. You can't have unity if you're always getting offended at every single thing and every single person that, that, that messes with you. Anybody have a chance to get offended in the last week? Yeah, probably all of us. I think the mark of a mature believer is the ability to forgive many offenses. I've watched that in my parents' lives, just the ability to just keep forgiving. How many times do I have to forgive them? How many times do you need forgiveness from God? How often do you want to breathe? Inhale, God's mercy. Exhale, God's mercy. Inhale, God's forgiveness. Exhale, God's forgiveness. United prayer. Here's the next one. Passionate prayer birthed out of compassion for others. Passionate prayer birthed out of compassion for others. How often do you pray for the needs of other people in your life? How often are your prayers not about you, but they're about someone else in your life? In Nehemiah chapter 1, he was broken with a compassion for Israel, for Jerusalem. The walls of Jerusalem had been torn down, destroyed in a battle. Nehemiah, he was living far away. He was living in a comfortable palace, eating food from the king's table. He had a good job, a good family, all was well. This situation didn't even affect him, and yet it did affect him because his heart was bleeding for what God's heart was beating for. He was broken for these people, and he, and he began to just weep and cry. When's the last time you cried for someone besides yourself? When's the last time you cried for someone besides yourself? Nehemiah just began to weep. Lord, 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 help us. Help Israel. Help Jerusalem. Help the walls be built again. The great news was God was going to use Nehemiah as the answer to his own prayers. He was going to set him up to bring help to Israel. But Nehemiah's heart was broken. What kind, of, what kind of prayer brings revival? Passionate prayer birthed out of compassion for others. Jesus said in Matthew 9, verse 38, pray for more harvesters. Pray for more laborers in the field. Ask God for more workers to bring in the harvest. Jesus wanted us as disciples, the church, to be consumed about reaching the world, reaching the ones who aren't here yet. Two weeks ago, I was weeping for our country. I was in a meeting with some Brazilian pastors, and they began to just describe for me from the outside what it looked like in the U.S. They had visited several churches. They said, the churches we went to didn't do any altar calls. There was a whole lot of structure, but not a lot of breath, not a lot of life. There was no opportunity for people to get saved. They didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. There was very little mention of Scripture. It was just more motivational. And they said, it just seems like there's a lot of division and not a lot of life going on in churches in America. And I said, not in our church, not in our church. They said, the good news is God has, has used your church and other churches in the U.S. as a lighthouse, as a remnant to spark revival in your country. And I just started weeping because I was crying for the United States of America. Because our country needs revival. Our country needs unity. And the only thing that's going to uh, heal a divided nation is a united church that's hearts are broken in compassion for their world and that compassion moves us towards action here's my last point right here prayer that produces revival is prayer that is linked with wholehearted obedience prayer that is linked with wholehearted obedience when nehemiah prayed for jerusalem to be restored god said go do it 
So if you were to come to me and said, hey, pastor, I've been praying. We need to feed the hungry. My response to you would be, go do it. Come help us. Be a part of it. Pastor, we need to pray for married couples in this church for restoration in their marriages. Come help me. Be a part of it. Well, hold on, hold on. Wait a minute. You mean I got to obey what God's calling me to pray? Yeah. Dr. Cho's words was, I pray and I obey. Some of us in this room, we want to pray and tell other people to obey. But God's saying, no, no, no. I put that prayer inside of you, and I've called you to be the answer in that prayer. I've called you to bring that revival to your home, to your campus, to your workplace. I've called you to be a witness. I always think it's funny when people say, I've been praying about it, and God's already spelled out the answer in the word. I've been praying about whether I should forgive someone, and God already told you to forgive them. Pastor, I'll pray about that tithing thing. I'll see what God has to say about that. <laughs> Pastor, I'm going to pray about that whole thing of like being a witness in my workplace. I'll see what God has to say about that. The answer is spelled out here. I can tell you the level of your prayer life based on the level of your obedience. Because real prayer produces obedience to God's word. Real prayer produces obedience to God's word word. What is God's will? It's his word. His word is his will. As we begin to pray, God begins to show us you're the answer. So this upcoming Saturday, I've got something for you to pray about. It's called Walk It Out. It's an outreach we're doing as a church. We're inviting our entire church to come and serve our city with God's love. We're going to walk out revival together. We're going to adopt north, south, east, and west Tulsa. We're going to bring love. We're going to bring healing. We're going to pray. We're going to clean up. We're going to serve. We're going to visit nursing homes and hospitals and minister to boys and girls and moms and dads and grandparents. You say, well, pastor, let me pray about that. Good. I want you to pray about it. And if God tells you don't help anyone this week, then you are free. You don't have to do it. But if after praying about it, you feel like maybe God does want me to help people. Maybe God wants me to serve my city. And maybe since I'm not doing anything on Saturday morning except for sleeping on my couch, maybe I could get up and show up with the church and go reach the city of Tulsa with God's love. Come on, we're not doing it every Saturday, but who knows, maybe one day we will. God has birthed a vision in my heart for our local outreach, and I need your help to be a part of it. God has given us a responsibility as a church to bring revival to our city. Everybody say, it starts with me. I want you to stand your feet all over this place. Prayer that pr produces revival is repentant prayer, faith-filled prayer, prophetic prayer, united prayer. It's prayer that's linked with compassion and obedience. It's prayer that's God's will for God's glory. My challenge for all of us as a church, and all of us can do this, is this week I want you to pray more. I want you to breathe more. I want you to check your breath. If your prayers are all about you, if it's selfish, take some Listerine. Gargle God's word this week. Get your prayers thinking about more than just yourself this week. Pray for others. Pray for the lost to be found. Pray for what God wants to do in this church. Pray for what God wants to do in this city. Pray for our government. Pray for leaders. Pray for uh, businesses. Pray for pastors. Pray for Christians. Pray for the world. Pray for everybody that needs God's love. And then I want you to obey the prayer that God's birthed inside of you. To reach out this week. To be a witness. Smith Wigglesworth, a great evangelist in, our, uh, in, in the history of the church. 
He said, I never pray more than 30 minutes and I never go more than 30 minutes without praying. What was he saying? He's saying, I, I'm not talking about having long prayer times. I'm talking about constantly being in communion with God. That's me too. My prayer times are about 15 to 20 minutes, but throughout the day, I'm having multiple pockets of prayer, just talking to God in my car ride, in the shower, when I'm reading my Bible, when I'm dealing with situations, I'm just talking to God. God wants us to be in communion. He wants us to breathe. He wants us to have that breath of his power in our lives. I want you to just pray right now all across this room. Just begin to pray. Pray in your known language or pray in the spirit, but pray whatever the situations that you're praying for, just begin to lift it up right now. Pray prophetically. Pray right now the will of God, the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, if you need healing today, I want you to just leave your seat, come down to this altar right now. If you need healing in your body, if you need healing in your heart, if you need healing in a specific area of your life, healing in your mind, in Jesus' name. If you feel a calling right now just to come down to this altar to pray, pray over a situation, pray over a relationship, surrender something to God, surrender something to God's will, whatever it is, you just bring it right now in prayer to God. I want you to meet with God, not meet with me, meet with God, just come down right now, just talk to God, let's worship as we just pray. service I was praying for people to get healed and Ron you were in a car accident last night you came down to the altar at the 9 a.m. service tell them what happened well Gene and I are coming back from babysitting our grandkids last night about 11 o'clock we were stopped over here at Delaware and 91st Street and just when the light turned somebody just rear-ended us and so about 11:44 last night I I texted pastor and I said, uh, I tweaked my back pretty badly. I'm not sure that I'll be able to be in services tomorrow. 
So I got up, and I just decided I was going to come. When pastor gave the invitation to come for healing, I was the first one to hit that altar. I had somebody who came and just started praying for me. And uh, I was sitting there, and I was doing my Mark 11, 22 through 24 thing. I was speaking to my mountain. And all of a sudden, I felt somebody come in the front of me and just lay their hands on my face. I'm assuming that was you. And all of a sudden, I felt this little tremor just come through my, my body. And about two minutes later, no pain whatsoever, completely healed in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Victory with Paul Doherty. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you at any of our services. Saturday night at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 8.30, 9, and 11 a.m. If you can't visit us, you can watch live on the Victory app, downloadable on the App Store and Google Play. Remember, your best days are right in front of you.